Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, as this episode comes out, we have now concluded the Easter season. And one of the things that we do during the Masses during Easter, at least on the Sunday Masses, is that we do a lot more readings of the Acts of the Apostles versus the Old Testament. And I forget which Sunday it was, so I apologize for that. This thought had come into me during the readings of the Acts was the core notion that being persecuted by people who know you and grew up with you and have been with you is somehow much worse than if the person was a complete stranger, even if the actions and the words said were the same, it somehow comes across with a greater sting and just a more psychologically damaging if it comes from someone that you've known and you know throughout your life. So I wanted to to draw from that starting point because as the Acts of the Apostles are, are going out, they're talking to people who they presumably know. They're talking to other people that they have things in common with, particularly when they're talking to the other Jewish people that they grew up around. They made all these pilgrimages together, and they might not know them as well as you know your best friend, but they may know them as well as maybe some guy you graduated with in high school. You know, There's a familiarity there that is different than some guy from six states over that you may never have met. So I wanted to start with that core concept and how much strength it takes to stand up, to say something that the rest of your group might not be willing to hear or wanting to hear, but to do what's right as you know it. And then again, starting from the conversation from the Acts that really St. Peter does throughout his teachings in the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, certainly the level of familiarity that we have with somebody impacts the way that we hear what they're saying to us. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, in, in thinking about the Acts of the Apostles, you, you just made the connection to the Easter season. And it's interesting, the Acts of the Apostles is really, it's post-Pentecostal. We associate it with the Easter season because we do that in the liturgy and, and, uh, I have to admit, especially in this year with the pandemic, I was especially aware of that, that the apostles were not emerging at, from their homes after Easter. They didn't emerge from their homes until after Pentecost. And it seems that the pandemic is helping us be like the apostles this year, emerging from our homes after Pentecost rather than after Easter. And uh, so just an interesting side note. But then they emerge and they begin to preach the gospel. And... Um, yeah, certainly hearing these things, um, you know, we, we develop relationships. So I've been hosting, uh, I hosted at the end of the Easter season, a Pentecost novena for people to tune into online and had a number of speakers. And one made a, a beautiful observation about hospitality and the importance of uh, friendship in proclaiming the gospel uh, and, and in healing, you know, and he said that the first step of healing is hospitality, that when we welcome somebody and, uh, you know, you can think of a, a, a sinner, perhaps, uh, when we 
when we welcome somebody with with kindness rather than come and come and bring the hammer down on them uh we we approach the person we make a connection we open our hearts we build a relationship and then we're in a position maybe to hold up a mirror of some kind and show them an, an area that they uh, are in need of of some conversion uh, we can challenge them on some behavior, but it starts with a hospitality that builds a real relationship first. And uh, we certainly see that in, in varying degrees. I mean, Peter's not afraid to preach to the multitudes. He comes out from the upper room in Pentecost and he does preach to the multitudes, but then he also engages in relationships with people and uh, comes to Cornelius's house and engages him, learns about him, hears from him, and then shares the story of the gospel with him. He sees that he's open to it, he's ready, and and then Cornelius is, is converted by that. Uh, St. Paul comes into Athens and he tries to make a connection with the people first, looking at their statues of gods, and he says, you're a very religious people. You even have a statue to an unknown god. He makes that connection that 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 makes the relationship a little bit more human, a little more organic, and that would help to open their hearts. Now, uh, it was a a little bit of a tenuous connection, and he doesn't have a massive conversion coming from his uh, Areopagus homily, but a few followers came from that, Dionysius and uh, uh, whoever the other one was, uh, Dorcas maybe, who comes to uh, to follow him. But um, yeah, making those, those organic connections and hospitality helps us both to, to challenge as well as to preach the gospel, to share our friend with uh, our friends. And that's the natural way that you can become closer to anyone, though, is, is to just open yourself up. And, and as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, literally how you could do it. You can invite someone over, you know, to your house and you, you prepare your house in such a way where you're going to have someone over. Maybe you're getting a meal ready or just cleaning things in general. And you have that moment there of inherent vulnerability. You might get stood up. And, and, or you might have this opportunity to follow through on what your goal was to try to create some harmony, but in either way, there's going to be that moment when you have, is this going to be worth it? And, and that thought that's natural to us all. And it takes, it takes courage because for some people that moment of, of, unknowing if this will even happen, let alone how will it happen is scarier than the actual event. Um, you know, to take an example there, I, I know that when they do the Olympics and they do these interviews with people before they jump off their blocks to go into the pool, that the part that they worry the most is right before the bell jumps. But once they're in the pool, it's just nature takes over muscle memory and they start swimming some more. But that fear of, of jumping off and getting a good starting point is, is kind of what this is, is, is that thing that's with all of us. So we can see how when we know something is right and something that we have to do, how there can be a, a natural tug away from going and doing it because you might get rejected it might go wrong you might be exposed in some way that makes you feel bad or uncomfortable and 
I'm not sure what the appropriate answer to, to discuss that is because my thoughts are just looking at a, at a human reaction to our bodies is some people don't like lifting lifting and because in the beginning it can hurt your hands. It can dig in, but after time you just naturally develop calluses and that goes away. Well, we know we can do that emotionally too, but somehow when it's emotionally, they can have a lot of negative effects. Um, just as with your hand, you can't, it's not quite as sharp with feeling things in the callus versus the soft palates of your hand. The same thing can happen with emotions, but we know that there's a balance that's needed in there somehow. And I kind of wanted to talk about that because obviously when, when we're looking at the apostles, they did care what other people think, thought, but they also knew they had to do this. So if they were getting negative essentially mudslinging at their time thrown their way. They knew how to play through it because they knew what they were doing was important. And there's a balance there that I think that would be worth Hmm. discussing because it's something that we all have to do in our lives. Right. Well, I think it's important to realize, uh, you know, one size does not fit all. And uh, to use your analogy with weightlifting, not everybody is going to be able to have the, even those calluses and the soft palates at the same time. Some people have rougher skin to begin with. Some people have softer skin that's just never going to get that calloused. And, and I think there's probably an analogy. My experience of people, uh, there's an analogy that way with emotions. Some people are very sensitive and they have a particular role. Not everybody's meant to be a weightlifter. And uh, there are different ways to approach even evangelization. Not everybody's meant to be St. Peter or St. Paul. Uh, there are people who pray, also in the Acts of the Apostles. There are people who um, remain at home. We never hear Our Lady sharing the gospel with anybody. I mean, think about that. She knows it better than everybody. We never hear that she shares it with anybody. So, But does that mean that she doesn't do anything? Well, it couldn't be more farther from the truth. I mean, she is the lightning rod of the Holy Spirit. Drawing close to her is what gave the Apostles the dose of the Holy Spirit that sent them out to proclaim the gospel. So we have to be careful about having a one-size-fits-all approach. Not everybody is meant to do what St. Peter does. Uh, Not everybody is meant to do exactly what Our Lady does. And a lot of us are somewhere in between on that spectrum. And so just good to observe that, first of all. But um, some are uh, called to go out and uh, and it's true. We do get a little bit callous, you know, a couple rejections, and uh, we we get over that a little better. Uh, you, we never fully get over it, you know. Uh, probably you even know that from some cold calling you have to do, or uh, you know, the ways that you have to interact with customers and things like that. You know, it never, it's never painless. If it were painless, it would be a sign that we weren't really offering anything of ourselves. But we're always offering at least a little bit of ourselves. Uh, and and that gets rejected, and we feel hurt, you know. So that's very very normal. Um, but we learn how to to moderate that and and view that in hope, and and that it's not as bad as we think. I mean, it's like somebody who jumps whatever a, a gymnast or people who do kind of uh, pretty risky things. They do get pretty comfortable understanding the space of the risks and and working through some of the dangers. It doesn't mean that there is that a time ever comes that it's not possible for them to break their leg, uh, or worse, in doing some gymnastics routine or jumping off of a of a high dive or something like that. 
but at least the the butterflies and the kind of intense emotional responses that we have the first time we go up a 30 foot uh, high dive or something like that, those things do settle down. We gain more confidence. We know that space better, and and that's true also with sharing the gospel and uh, and, and uh, speaking to others like the apostles were doing. And when we go through that, yeah. <laughs> When you use that example of cold calling, I, I, I see that very clearly. That you know, there's some people who that first person who who hangs up on them after they didn't even get to say four words can just take it so personally, and then you know, there's other people who will just go, okay, next, and just keep plowing on and, and keeping it going. And and I know that I it, points of my life I did that exactly. And I I like how you said that that, that there was. A balance there and it probably goes back to what you were talking about in our last podcast about the emotions around death that there is no way to dictate how you should feel about this and in there I have a little bit of a, of a question in, in the same regards is we know that we have to do what's good and to avoid what's evil. So, so there, at some point, some level, there is an objective yes and no answer with zooming back out. Then it becomes a little bit more grayer and grayer and grayer. And our goal in life is to find everything along the way to go a step towards the good rather than a step towards um, evil and sin. We, we know that intellectually that that's part of what we're called as individuals to do. And my, and this is where the, the emotion part gets challenging to me because we know that there's some emotions that lead to problems. Um, you know, anger is an example of that. But we also know that anger can also be steered to the good. It's not like Jesus was happy whenever he was flipping the tables in the temple. Um, you know, he wasn't doing it with a big smile on his face. He was angry. And... When we say that our emotions, we can't overcome them and just mentally willpower them into what we want, but we have to steer them as you use the example of with children to, to guide them and hold them by their hand. It, it brings me to the question of, of how, because the, I guess what this all question of this entire episode, I'm trying to articulate and learning how I'm saying this is that. How do we know that we're stepping towards something that's good when we're in a very heavily emotional space and, and almost in a sense where there's fear that if we do action, we'll get called back or maybe we're so angry that we can't control what's happening or, or sad or grief. But, you know, So many of these thoughts we can go through and pick out the emotion but how to balance that so that we can go to the good? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good question in terms of uh, when we get very strong emotions. Um, finding ways to, to ground ourselves is, uh, is really useful. Uh, one is, uh, so when we get our emotions get really fired up, for example, and so it creates kind of racing thoughts. We, we keep skimming along the surface, uh, maybe some, some trembling, our hearts are really beating fast. We, we have a hard time thinking deeply and thinking through things, you know, those are, and, and those can be some trauma responses, but, but anyway, you know, with, um, 
certain intense situations. And really, uh, deep breathing is very helpful. In through your nose, out through your mouth 10 times. It's amazing what that will do in our bodies and helps to ground us. Uh, feeling the ground beneath our feet, planting our feet on the ground, feeling that, feeling our arms, our bodies, feeling what we're you know sitting on and where the room is and getting getting grounded in our bodies is uh, also very helpful for just settling a lot of that. And we may need to go back to that a number of times. And then we also want to start insert the inserting the kind of thinking that we say, okay, uh, the Lord is with us. Remember, uh, he has overcome sin and death. He has overcome all of our enemies. He is uh, going to help us. He's going to work all things to the good. Um, so we can kind of talk ourselves through some situations like that. Of course, connecting with another person is a, is a great help. Having someone to talk us through, walk us through, be present to us. All of that as a way of grounding us when those emotions get really highly charged. At the same time, uh, I always remember from my homiletics class, my professor made this amazing insight. He said, uh, anxiety and excitement are really the same emotion, just depending on your confidence in the outcome. And so there's a certain energy in anxiety that can become the energy of excitement if we can uh, start to make that shift to, to confidence. And I, I know that was really helpful for me when I started preaching. And I get very uh, wired when I was especially preaching to a new kind of congregation. You know, I, I recently gave a retreat for bishops. That was a, another new frontier for me, having given a, a homilies for our monastic community or, or groups of priests. You know, or, uh, when I first gave homilies at the Missionaries of Charity and, you know, these just superstar nuns who are, have great faith, I felt very anxious. And I tried to lean into it and say, yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. You know, I'm so, I'm so jazzed about this and I'm, you know, just going to really pour out everything I have. And so to kind of, instead of, instead of like trying to grab, grasp it by the reins, you know, and, and rein it in, it's like, okay, I, I'm on these wild horses. I'm going to ride them. Let's go. Uh, so sometimes that, that sort of transition it can be possible as well. It's a it's a matter of just shifting our thoughts a little bit, but uh, but suppress suppressing or just controlling, uh, like like stop feeling that way, S stop being anxious, stop being so worked up, stop beating so hard, heart. You know, it's like that just doesn't work at all. Yeah. So, and I think that we've all had feelings like this, and to just give one where we can see it in someone else. You know, if you go to the top of a ladder slide where a little kid's coming up that has never gone down this slide before, you, you can see that they'll they'll freak out and sometimes they'll want to run away. And then sometimes they just – someone will grab them and take them down the slide with them. And then the whole rest of the day they're just running up those steps to do it again. And you can just see so that. Cool. And, and that exact thing of – that's how I think you, you know when you're overcoming something that's important. You know, I to to go back to the example before. Everyone's first cold call is that way. You know that when when you can get shot down and yeah, how's it how's it work? And you know what? You know they have all these cliches that make people keep dialing when you're doing a cold call. But every they, the one of them is every no is closer to a yes because statistically speaking, you got to call this many people and it'll work. So you're just 
churning through it as a process. And in some regards, what you're saying there is, you know, if I think about something that's going to happen bad, it's going to go bad. But there's this energy here because what I'm going to do is going to be worth it. You know, if it, if it was going to be boring and mundane, I wouldn't be risking anything. I wouldn't be getting anything out of it. Because I also believe it's true when people say you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. Well, that feeling of anxiety, as you just mentioned, was you doing that. You taking a, a step into a territory that you've never gone before. And sometimes we get thrown in and didn't know what we're at until we figure it out on the way down um, into that territory. Or sometimes we're able to think about it for for times in advance. Like I know when I did debate in college, there were two different kinds, essentially. The one kind was you knew what the topic was going to be weeks, sometimes months before the debate, and you could really do a lot of research and plow through it. And the other kind was you walked into the room and some guy said, this is what we're talking about. You're this side, you're this side, go. And it, it would be completely different. And But that's still that that anxiety that comes up that you have to reform to, to make something successful was there. And I think that that is something that we ought to encourage to, to stand up to it and to try it because I could just see from the look on your face that it was worth it. And, and it was something that you're glad that you did. And I think that the fear of not stepping up and trying is something that can, can crush people. Cause you never really do know when these chances are going to come again. So I don't want to keep going over and ruining your story here. Um, no, no, you, that's great. You're get... making great observations. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I'm, I'm always careful to say uh, in as much as we're encouraging a certain direction, you know, uh, let's, let's keep working on these things, growing in these things. Uh, the emotions can never be forced. So it's a growing process. And, and that's the, the important thing to keep in mind that, it's not like, oh, I'm doing it wrong because I can't overcome. I, I need to I need to figure out this fear thing and conquer it. You know, it's like, okay, gentle, gentle with the emotions, gentle and and moving them. Find we we have to find our own path. I'm just sharing some uh, parts of of my own path. Uh, as you were talking, Joe, it made me think of uh, this kind of I, I associate a certain kind of butterflies with uh, with what wrestling when I was young. Um, middle school, beginning of high school, I, I was a, a wrestler. And there's something about a wrestling match, you know, and waiting, I, I can, I'm getting sweaty hands just starting to describe it now, but, you know, waiting for my name to be called, what mat it's going to be on, seeing it coming up, the building anticipation, because you only got six minutes on the mat, you know, I mean, it's just so intense. Everything's so focused. And uh, there's a certain kind of intensity that I feel that way. It's like the game time intensity. And the more that I I'm able to roll with that and get excited about it, let it flow through me, then the more that I can harness some of that energy in a positive way. And it's funny, I just recently had this experience uh, as I'm taking some online courses now for an advanced degree in theology. And I had an oral exam. And it's been so long since I've had an oral exam. And so I was again, that kind of intensity of like, you got to come up with it, as you said, the sort of spontaneous debate. I don't know what the topic's going to be. And so I was really gathering up as much of the uh, the information, reading everything over, trying to rehearse it in my head. And then I was so ready when I finally talked to the professor. And then he says, 
okay, uh, well, we've got some time. Why don't you start with what you want to talk about? I was like, that wasn't one of the options. <laughs> I had to come up with something. I was like, okay. And then my mind wouldn't work other than to think of the thing that I had just been thinking of before I got on with him, which was, uh, anyway, a topic that was a little bit tangential, but worked out nicely enough. And we went with that and then we flowed from there and it was, it was exciting, you know? So, but there's, when we can see that, when we can engage it as something exciting, uh, when we can know that even if the worst thing happens, it's going to be okay. Uh, and we can say that even for things like death. I mean, we can't be too cavalier about that. But the point is the worst consequences in this life are as nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. The thing that we need to hold on to most importantly is a state of grace and, and really keeping ourselves in a, in a state of grace, that I don't sin through all of this, that I don't start to... And that's the real temptation is that I, I use evil tactics, you know, that I'm going to cheat, that I'm going to hurt somebody, that I'm going to uh, steal from somebody, that I'm, that I'm going to commit acts of injustice in order to keep myself from facing some kind of consequence. So no matter how fearful I get or no, no matter how angry I get, I, I don't want to willingly give in to those uh, evil, you know, immoral tactics to, in order to assuage my, my fears. And, and a thought that just came to me, and this is something that, yes, we, we, we want to avoid the evil. And, and one of those is, is going cold and numb to it and, and to lose all the energy, to run away and hide. And in a certain sense, this is right down the lines of what we were discussing in a podcast probably about a month or so ago about the cold, uh, the cold, you're, you neither hot nor cold, you're a lukewarm soul that engaging these energies and these feelings rather than trying to suppress and hide them is really part of how we grow. And ultimately, if we're going in the direction of goodness to grow closer to, to God and the Holy spirit. So father, that was just like the last thought that I have there. If you have any last thoughts you want to provide for this episode, please let us, let us hear them. Well, I think it's a great topic, Joe, to reflect on. Uh, fear and the proclamation of the gospel and how we can uh, work with the human emotions and, and also engage a supernatural faith. And it's so good to look at the human person in that way. We, uh, as you've pointed out in this episode and the last, there, there are ways, real reductivist approaches that say, oh, you know, faith should just overcome all of it and our human emotion should just be no, of no consequence. And well, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, actually, faith helps us to to focus and direct human emotion. Emotion has the word motion in it because our emotion is our motor. Uh, it's like a car without an engine would be ridiculous. Uh, we, we need our motors. Those emotional motors help us, uh, but then using reason and faith, we help to shape that emotion and kind of guide it in the right direction. Uh, we never wanna, it's like we don't wanna go from drive to reverse. Uh, that would do a lot of damage to our motor, to our motors. And so we want to, but we want to keep shifting and shaping. And, and we do that with our, our minds, the ways that we conceive about ourselves and the events and everything else. So anyway, it's a wonderful topic and, and worth, uh, worth reflecting on further for our listeners. Perfect. And we thank everyone out there for listening today. And we will be with you again here next week.